Hello, hello. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Busy. Um, but very excited for this story because it's chill. It's like it's like a little haunting. Oh, nice. <laughs> a cute a cute little uh cute little ghost story. <laughs> um yeah, let's get right into it then. I'm Sonia. I'm Maddie. And welcome to Grim. Woo! Okay, so I've actually, I think this actually might be two parts because oh. um, the article that I like first started reading out, it was like the first part is about the haunting, and then the second part is like there are stories about like a cave on the property. And so I think it might be easier to split into two parts, otherwise, this would be a very long episode. Oh, okay, um, interesting. Yeah, so I'm very excited about it. We're, today we're talking about um, the Bell Witch Haunting. Hmm, I don't think I've heard of it. Yeah, so it's a, le- it's a legend from um, Southern United States folklore, okay. which I, I, was, I was looking up, like, urban legends from different places, and I think this is one of the most popular urban legends from, like, the South. Oh, okay. Um, but it's basically about this, like, 19th century family the Bell family in um, Northwest Robertson County in Tennessee. It's like not like the deep south, but like mm. still south, you know? Yeah. Um, so John Bell Sr. was a farmer who lived with his family along the Red River in, I think the area is now known as the town of Adams. I'm not exactly sure what it was called back in the day, but I think it was different. And so he was a farmer um, from North Carolina, and he and his wife and his children settled in Tennessee in 1804. And they ended up buying 320 acres of farmland along the Red River. And because it was along the river, it was like really good land for farming. Okay. So they were, I mean, they were really happy. They were vibing for like the first 13 years that they lived there. Um you know, they, they were, like, part of the community. They lived a very quiet and peaceful life. Um, they were members of the, like, Red River Baptist Church. Um, he actually, John Bell became, like, a deacon in the church. And then the family was, they were they were really, really prosperous, I guess, in the area. Nice. But that kind of, it kind of all changed a little bit in um, 1817. Okay. So according to the legend, in 1870, the family and also the kind of area that they were in started being attacked by a mostly invisible entity that was able to speak, affect the environment, and shapeshift. Damn, can do everything. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, like, I kind of want to be them. (laughs) Like, it just seems really fun. Um... Some accounts say that the spirit was clairvoyant and also capable of, like, crossing long distances really fast, like superhuman speed, or just, like, being in more than one place at one time. Okay. Or, like, jumping between places. Okay. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about that later. I think there's one of, like, the, the accounts that, like, explicitly say what happened, but just so many things. It was a very powerful spirit. Um, but yeah, so it 
the legend kind of spread really far and um, it ended up being a really, really famous story. And it was so famous that people started writing about it, which is, I think, how we kind of know about most of the details today. Mm-hmm. So Martin V. Ingram wrote a book called An, Ath- An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. And, um, of course, it's an, it's an authenticated history, so, like, it must be true. Yeah. And in the book, he stated that the poltergeist, they called it a poltergeist, um, the poltergeist's name was Kate, which is... That's, yeah, such a normal name for right? a poltergeist. I, re- I read that and I was like, oh, Kate, like, I know so many Kates. Yeah, this we have just a, a poltergeist. <laughs> Crazy. Um, but I guess they started calling it Kate because it claimed at one point to be old Kate Batswitch. Um, I don't know what that means, but like <laughs> they called it Kate and it was, it responded favorably. So they were like, yeah, Kate, right. Kate the poltergeist. Um, but then, so this wasn't written in the account, but according to like the local legend, Kate Bats was supposedly John Bell's neighbor who was described as very mean and very old. And believed that she was cheated by him on, like, a land purchase. So on her deathbed, she basically swore that she would, like, haunt him and his family. As, as one does. Yeah, you know, I, I aspire to be that petty. <laughs> there are a lot of, like, this is a very old legend, like, 1817, right? Mm-hmm. So there are a ton of, like, contradicting stories. And I, I know there is a contradiction to this one. Um, I think I... I'll tell you about it a little bit later on. Like other people believe that Kate was a different person, not a mean old neighbor. Um, mm. But yeah, I'll get into that. But just know, like the stories that I'm telling you are just like accounts that people have said. So yeah. some of them might differ a little bit. But I feel like that's pretty average for yeah. for a haunting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the legend says that a lot of the activity with this poltergeist actually centered on their youngest daughter, Betsy, and her father. Um, and apparently, Kate was very upset when Betsy became engaged to a local garden, a local person named Joshua Gardner. Okay. Red flag immediately for the name, just gonna say. <laughs> the J name. Honestly. So I, I don't know, maybe Kate was right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the actual story behind the haunting is that it began, like I said, in 1817. And it started when John Bell witnessed like an apparition of a very strange looking creature and said it looked like a dog, but with a rabbit's head. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. Well, I All guess right. we know that she can shapeshift, so... Hmm. If you could shapeshift, dog with a rabbit's head. Clearly, yeah, that's that the logical go-to. conclusion, of course. Yeah, um, so, like like one does as a, as a hunter on, mm-hmm. on a farm, he decided to shoot at the animal. Oh, oh good. Um, so he shot it. It disappeared. As a, a dog with a rabbit's head would do. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, as any living creature would do if they got shot at. Just disappear into thin air. Um and that was that with the dog with the rabbit's head. But later on, his son Drew Bell approached an unknown bird that was apparently perched on this fence. And when he approached it, it flew off. But he described it as being of an extraordinary size. So he just approached a giant bird for fun? Yeah, I, I don't know what was going on in his head. Um, right. If I saw a giant bird on a fence, <laughs> I would most certainly not approach it. Yeah, I think I'd keep my distance. <laughs> Um, 
then his daughter Betsy saw a girl in a green dress swinging from like the one of the branches on their oak tree mm-hmm. um, also disappeared just nice. a girl into thin air yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so okay keep in mind this is 1817 in southern America they the family did own a like a, a large farm mm-hmm. with a lot of slaves um, oh. yeah yeah but um, one of the one of the people, Dean, reported being followed by a large black dog on evenings that he visited his wife. Which you know I feel like isn't the most terrible thing to be haunted by. Yeah, I'd like a, a nice doggy. Yeah, like a serious black kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. Good work. <laughs> um, all of them, like everyone on the on in the area, on that like farm reported knocking on the doors and the walls sounds of animals like chewing on the beds um invisible dogs fighting chains like dragged along the floor um then it became like kind of weird when john bell reported that his mouth was paralyzed oh like he couldn't he couldn't move his mouth that would freak me out yeah um the and then after that, it was like the sheets were pulled off of their the kids' beds. Um, they would feel their hair being pulled and being scratched at. Um, and Betsy, who you, like I mentioned earlier, was like kind of the object of this poltergeist's little, little thing that's going on. Um, mm-hmm. Betsy was slapped, pinched, and struck with pins. Oh. So not very fun. No. Um, I guess the moral of that story is, you know, don't make a poltergeist be obsessed with you. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, of course, all of them thought that they were going crazy, um, which I feel like, you know, if that happened to me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm I'm insane. Yeah, same. Um, so they did what any, any reasonable people would do. They invited their family friend, James Johnson, over to be like, are we crazy or is it, like, actually haunted? <laughs> Um, yeah. So Johnson spent the night in their home and basically experienced the same phenomena. Um, that morning, he, you know, got up and told John that he thought it was a quote-unquote spirit, just like in the Bible. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the word of, you know, this farm being haunted spread. Um, some people traveled, like, great distances to see this supposed witch. And once that started happening, once people like came to the farm to be like, there's a poltergeist here, um, it began to speak to people. Mm. Yeah. So they were like, uh, who are you? What do you want? Which I think is a very fair and reasonable first question to ask a spirit. Yeah. Um, and then they heard a voice answer very feebly. I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have now been disturbed. And I think that's a very polite way <laughs> yeah. of saying things. Especially for a poltergeist. Right? Yeah. Um, so the spirit, Kate, offered a bunch of different explanations, like why she was there, why like she came to be. It was like, one of them was like, there was a disturbance on a Native American burial mound on the property, which I know we talked about in another um, previous episode. Not the same burial mound, different burial mound. 
Mm. There must have been a lot of them in the area. Um, but then she sent Drew Bell and another another person on this like unproductive search for buried treasure. Okay. I, I don't know what that was about. They tried to find the mound, couldn't find it. I don't know. Right. Kate is just there, apparently. <laughs> um, and then they started having full conversations with Kate and end up like talking for a very long time. And one of the things that they talked about was that she repeated word for word these two sermons that were given in like different churches that were 13 miles apart and happening at the same time. So that's why they think. That yeah, that she could like appear in two places at once. Yeah. Because, like, how else would she know? Yeah. They were 13 miles apart and happening at the same time. So, is this a voice just like a disembodied, like, voice coming out of thin air? Yeah, I guess. Alright. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it's not like a, like a Ouija board, like, voice kind of thing. Like, like, you can actually hear it. Yeah. Which I think is crazy. Yeah. But, you know, apparently she really was like acquainted with the biblical text and enjoyed talking about religion i mean good for her yeah good for her um but she also really liked to gossip about things that other households were experiencing i love that i know she really she like popped in and out of different households and be like you know that family down the street this is the shit that they've gotten up to girl let me tell you (laughs) it was really i just i think that's so funny and I would love to be best friends with the poltergeist who could do that. And then it was just like chill the rest of the time. Oh my God, that'd be so fun. Right. <laughs> um, but of course they wanted to test this, you know, like how did she get those like two sermons mm-hmm. like repeated word for word at the same time? Um, so John Johnson, who is James Johnson's son, the number of J's in that one <laughs> like sentence that I said, yeah. it's a little tongue twister. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. But he made up a test to like test if she could actually like jump between places and so like the thing was to say something that no one outside the family would know and ask her about that so he asked the spirit what his dutch step-grandmother in north carolina would say to the slaves if she thought they did something wrong okay so of course they're in tennessee like the families in north carolina like he was like oh she definitely wouldn't know that but the spirit replied in his grandmother's accent and said, oh. hut, tut, what has happened now? And apparently that's exactly what his Dutch step-grandmother in North Carolina would say. <laughs> so elaborate. Right? Um, so like I said, a lot of people would come in and visit to see, you know, what the bell witch was doing. Um and there was an incident where a man from England stopped to visit and like was like, oh, I'll investigate this. So the spirit was like talking about this man's family who was in England and then suddenly began to mimic his English parents. <laughs> and the man was so freaked out that he left that morning and then later wrote back to the Bell family and said that the entity had visited his family in England and was like, I'm so sorry. I was so skeptical about it. Like, you're right. Wow. Because he was like, you know, no one else would know that. Like, my family's in England. How would this, how would that happen? Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So the spirit was also very fond of Lucy Bell, who is John's wife, and said that Lucy was, quote unquote, the most perfect woman to walk the earth, oh. um, would gift her with fresh fruit and sing hymns to her. 
that's quite cute. All I'm saying is that Kate might just be a little bit gay. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, the spirit referred to John Bell Sr. as Old Jack, and then, of course, you know, claimed that she threatened, claimed that she intended to kill him and, like, cursed oh. him and threatened him and stuff like that. Um, for various reasons, the one above was that, you know, she was the, the old neighbor who was like, you stole my land. Um, but according to local legend, John Bell ended up being poisoned oh. when he died. And basically the spirit was like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> um, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I'm a spirit. You can't arrest me. <laughs> um, and then when people gathered to mourn his death... The spirit interrupted the mourners by singing drinking songs. <laughs> I think I love her a little bit. It's just so funny to me. Honestly, knows how to hold a grudge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in 1821, because I think this, Kate was like, you shouldn't be married to Joshua Gardner. Betsy mm-hmm. ended up calling off her engagement to Joshua Gardner uh-huh. and was like, yeah, I can't marry you because the spirit told me I couldn't. <laughs> amazing yeah and then after that happened um kate basically told the family that she was gonna leave but will return in seven years Uh, okay does she have like a like a travel plan she's like i'm going over there for seven years you know i kind of hope that she did i kind of hope that she was like you know i'm gonna go see the world for seven years yeah like Like, hop out to like china or something see the sights and then come back in seven years yeah Um, it's just an interesting interval of time yeah but so she returned exactly seven years later saw lucy and lucy's sons richard and joel did some similar things as before with the you know dragging chains and gnawing on beds and appearing in random places the usual stuff um lucy richard and joel were like i don't want this anymore and she was like okay goodbye oh so (laughs) yeah but apparently during these seven years she along with like the you know the events as the same that like the same events as before she also went to john bell jr's home and talked about like the past the present and the future made some predictions for the future said that there was a reason for john bell senior's death never said what the reason was and then said that her next return would be in 107 years Oh, oh, okay. We've graduated from seven years to 107. 207, yeah. She was like, I'll leave you alone for a little bit. She must have really uh-huh. liked her travels. She wanted to do some more. Yeah. Um, fair enough. Yeah. So 107 years later would have been 1935. But a lot of people believed that she never left the area because there were a lot of strange things that had occurred in the town of Adams and then also in what they call the Bellwitch Cave. And that is what I will be talking about in our next paranormal episode, just because there is quite a bit of detail about the Bellwitch Cave. Okay. Not as many as, like, as many details as, like, this one, but still enough that I was like, I'll split it up, you know? Yeah, why not? So, um, the legend actually ended up catching Andrew Jackson's eye before he was president, like, during his military career. Okay. And he ended up stopping by the farm to see the Bellwitch, and then was quoted as saying, quote, I had rather face the entire British army than to spend another night with a bell witch, end quote. Yeah. And he said that after, like, he and his troops spent a night at the farm, he was like, we're never doing this again. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, right. So, because this is like the only reason we know about this story is through like some historical accounts and stuff like that. Um, I did want to take a little bit of time to talk about some of the other like stories behind um, the the legend. So, in one article. Um, the author described the apparition as the Tennessee ghost or bell ghost. And, you know, the articles published in 1856 said that the events occurred more than 30 years before. And in the story, it was about Mr. Bell, John Bell, his daughter, Betsy, and Joshua Gardner. Um, Apparently, according to this story, there would be a voice that was heard all over the house, but would only be heard at night when the lights were out. So as soon as the lights turned off, the voice would like, start talking um, like oh i see you're trying to go to bed yeah <laughs> basically it was like you can't sleep until you do what i say Dang. and then in this story they would like ask this voice how long it planned to remain there and it kept on saying until joshua gardner and betsy will get married so this one's a little bit different in this story the voice wants them to get married okay But in the story, it also states that Betsy fell in love with Joshua Gardner and then discovered that she could, like, be a ventriloquist. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so then Betsy used this skill to attempt to convince Joshua Gardner to marry her. I think saying that, like, she was the voice and she'd, like, be with him and then be like, you should marry her. (laughs) Um, interesting tactic. fair enough uh-huh. um, they didn't end up getting married and the apparition just disappeared so, which is why people are like yeah like it was just Betsy you know using her skills of ventriloquism <laughs> to get a man poor Betsy it didn't work it did not work no um, but yeah so that was that was the other one I just it's very contradictory to the first one but I just think it's a lot funnier yeah, that is funny. And I do actually really respect her for that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, right, so in the next the next episode that we'll we'll do about this subject, um, I will talk about this a bit more because the article that I will mention like covers more about the cave. But um there was an article that was published in nineteen eighty six in October of that year, and it was basically like this writer David Jared and his photographer Bill Wilson visited the Bellwitch Cave and then they talked about their experiences in the cave but at this point they also like in the article did a little bit about the legend of Kate and like it's a, it's a little bit different to the other two stories okay. um so in this one they talked to the owner of the farm at the time who is uh W.M. Eden and when he was interviewed he was 67 and he basically told the two that the ca- like the the area the cave is a strange place and it's where Kate lives now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um so he owns 105 acres of what was once the Bell like estate and then also owned the the cave that was the Bellwitch cave. And he said, quote, "I believe in Kate. I call her a spirit and she's never hurt me." I've had to fight to keep the covers on my bed. I've heard footsteps that lead right up to my bedroom door. You get used to it. End quote. Um, I don't know if I'd get used to that. <laughs> I don't think I would either. But basically what he believes is that Kate Batts was once John Bell's girlfriend. And then 
early in the 19th century, they were engaged or about to be married, but then they ended up calling it off. Like, they broke off their engagement. Mm -hmm. And then he later married Lucy. So Kate was furious and tried to break up their marriage, which Mm -hmm. is why she's been tormenting him. But also probably why she isn't as mad as Lucy, because, like, it wasn't really her fault back in the day. They just kind of, like, married people. (laughs) Yeah. Um... And then after years of torment, Belle killed Kate slowly. Um, so he was not a very good person in this version of the story. Yeah. He apparently locked her in the basement of his house and starved her to death. Oh God. So basically to take revenge on that, Kate's spirit harassed him, his family, and then poisoned him. Basically. In the end. Yeah. Um, I don't really blame her. Yeah. So, yeah. And he believes that, that she, like, just roams around, you know, in the area. The cave is her headquarters, and she's, like, she doesn't have anything else to do because she killed John. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Um, and then he ended up saying to finish off the article, quote, The cave was Kate's playhouse when she was growing up, and it's the only place she can call home now. I wouldn't go down into the caves alone. People have heard too many things down there. Voices singing, groans, growls, things moving around. Something's there. That's her place. End quote. Damn. Yeah. You know. Vibes. Um, There are prophecies that appear every now and then that Kate will return. I feel like she's still there, so there's nothing to return. She's just, yeah. she's just there. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so the farm is in this like really secluded area in Adams, Tennessee. It's it's a beautiful, apparently, a very beautiful like representation of what Tennessee is. Um, and it is a tourist site. So the Bell Witch Cave and the farm are tourist sites. There's also the Red River, so you can go canoeing or kayaking there. Um, I don't think the river is as haunted as the cave. Um, I do think that both of those are closed right now due to COVID, but hopefully they'll open up soon. Um, and yeah, so that's the the story about the Bell Witch. And then I'll tell you some more about what happened in, in the Bell Witch Cave in a few weeks. Alrighty. But yeah, that was it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this little, this little haunting. I did. Good. Good. Um, hopefully it's not too hard for you to change the subject as well. <laughs> feel like I'm, I'm trying to make it easier for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I will say that um, a connection to our episode on um, the little coffins in Arthur's seat. Mm-hmm. I went to the Edinburgh Dungeons, which is kind of like a haunted attraction. Like it's more of like a haunted house kind of thing with like actors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned the little coffins. Oh, no way. Yeah. They, I love they, it when the story they, has some truth. Yeah. They used the... Um, story that it was to represent the um victims of Burke and Hare ah yeah and that one makes the most sense to me yeah I feel like that's that's what it would be yeah yeah but yeah I thought that was fun I was like I know about this (laughs) (laughs) we just learned about this oh yeah this is the history of Edinburgh (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, other than that, I've just gotten really into the Madeline McCann documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Solid. Very sad. Yeah. Very interesting. So, One of those cases that's like really difficult to listen to, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
but yeah it is definitely very very interesting so yeah i would recommend um but yeah that's it for me all right um i've just had work i've got a few essays coming up that i've been avoiding i've been watching Grey's anatomy instead you know what i think that's the best option (laughs) really not the best option I can't please <laughs> I can't um but yeah I had a few presentations had a few few labs um my life is currently revolving around all the work that I have oh, no. so life is good yeah that's, <laughs> okay that's really just about it for updates from me um Alrighty. do you have anything else you'd like to add I do not all right would you like to spiel us out all right yes I can um, you can find us on Instagram at Grim Podcast. You can DM us, follow us, like our pictures, and from our profile, there's a button to email us. You can email us at thegrimpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us thoughts on stories we have covered, stories you want us to cover, or little life updates of your own. We also have a Twitter, which is Podcast Grim, and a Facebook, which is Grim Podcast. And other than that, just leave us a good review and tell your friends and family about us. Yeah, and we will see you guys very shortly. Um, probably for some for a little interruption of true crime and then we'll come right back to the bell witch oh yeah right well we will see you next week yeah bye bye